0: Many students have the attitude after studying in Israel one or two or three years that they already gave their Rabbani Shalom a lot of learning. Now, when they come back to America, they can do whatever they want. They're free to go to Ivy League College and enjoy life without learning Torah every day. This is a highly improper attitude. I think it's a non-Jewish attitude that we give to God what belongs to God, and then after we, after we already gave God a present, then everything else is, belongs to us and we can do whatever we choose to do. There's a famous Musa Sefer, the Mishnah Brewer recommends one should study this Musa Sefer during Chayrush Elul. Musa Sefer is called Yisot V'sheirush Shavoid. it's a difficult Sefer. By Rabbi Alexander Ziskin, he lived in Vilna a few centuries ago. So he refers to what he calls the Klola hayofa shabal The beautiful principle that was developed by Rav Einer the author of the Choyves HaVovas, that people make a mistake, very interesting, people make, everybody makes this mistake. They think that all human activities are divided into three parts. The, the things that you're obligated to do, you have to like tefillin, you have to daven, you have to wear tzitzis. you have to eat matzah, you have to listen to Tkir Shefer, then there are activities that are prohibited, you're not allowed to talk close and hurry, you're not allowed to eat trefis, you're not allowed to be Mechal Shabbos, and everything else is Dvar hashus. That's what everybody assumes. So the Chavos HaLvova says that it's not true. Everything in the world is, there's no gray area. Everything is either black or white. Either you're obligated to do it or it's prohibited to do it. The area of Reshuz, let's say, to eat kosher food. It's permissible to eat kosher food, but if you're going to overeat, you're going to eat like a pig, that's an Avera. You should only eat to the extent that is necessary. You have to have once in a while dessert in order to be in a cheerful mood. Okay, you have to relax. But uh, you have to go on vacation sometimes. You have to take it easy. <clears throat> but you're to relax. I remember someone was listening to this idea. So he said, what do you mean? He was a very nervous person. He said, what do you mean? You told me I'm mucheev to relax. I want to relax because I want to relax. So the Chobos says, no. That... This middle area, the gray area, that we call the gray area, Dvar is not really a Dvar If you really need the food, then you're obligated to eat the food. You shouldn't first If you don't need the food, then it's an abeira to eat it. But what do you need it for? You shouldn't do it. And the relaxing also, if you need the relaxation, if you need a break, then you are to relax. And if you don't need a break, then you should do Avogis Hashem, then you should learn Torah, then you should do mitzvahs. There is, no really, there is no middle ground over here. We divide, every, we divide all human activities into two parts. We don't divide it into three parts. There is no Dvar hoshus. It's interesting, the Rambam wrote his Sefer. The Rambam called the name of the Sefer Mishnah Torah. This is the review of all of Torah Peh. but we don't call it Mishnah Torah. The Rambam wrote in his introduction, all you have to read is the Tanakh, and then you read my book, you know all the rest and all about Kol HaTorah So Kol thought that that's a little too much. Read the Tanakh and the Rambam, you know all the rest and all, so we gave it a nickname. We don't call it Mishnah, we call it the Yad Hazaka, the powerful arm. You it because the Rambam's Mishnah Torah has 14 books. So the 14 Swarim, Mada, Habasmanim, and so on. So each Sefer in the Rambam, each one of the 14 Tzvarim of the Rambam, <coughs> Uh, the Ramam starts off with the Pasik as a motto for that Sefer. So it's interesting, a lot of essays have been published to try to figure out why the Ramam picked each one of the 14 psukim as a motto for that Sefer. So the Sefer Ahava, for, pur- for the purpose of the Sefer Ahava, the Ramam uses the posseh, Why did he pick that pasik Because it has the word Ahava in it. What did the Ramah mean by Abba? Why did he pick that Pasek? So, uh, they say the name of Rabbi Soloveitchik, an interesting interpretation, that all of the mitzvahs that the Rama has in Sefer Ahavah are mitzvahs that apply all day long. Like he writes over here, All day long, a person says, Dovin says, he's learning Torah all day long. So the Rama has mitzvahs Kriya Shmah in Sefer Ahavah, because you have to recite Kriya once in the morning, once in the nighttime is considered as if he daven and as if he said Kriyashma all day long, all day and all night. You have to daven Hilchas Tfilah here in the Rambam and the Sefer Avot because you have to daven three times a day. Every day of its is considered as if we're davening all day long. So the Sefer Avot is dedicated to those mitzvahs that we're really supposed to do all day long. And the Rambam developed a whole concept based on the pasuk in the Ehun. Mm-hmm. the Rambam understands that to mean that all day long we, we serve in Abayr HaShem by everything that we do. We don't divide the day into separate parts. When we eat food and when we go work for a living, that's our own. When we're sleeping, that's our own. We're taking care of our own needs. And then when we dive in and uh, when we learn Torah, we're taking, uh, we're doing mitzvahs. Not. The Ramam says, if you eat, in order to keep healthy, in order to do mitzvahs, and if you sleep and you make a parnasa, in order to be able to raise your children properly and to pay uh, tuition for your children in the yeshivas and to pay your dues in the shul and to be able to do mitzvahs, so then they're working for the parnasa and the sleeping and the eating and everything. Everything is a chilek <laughs> of we don't divide between Dvar Hoshuz and Dvar Mitzvah, so it's not really right, this attitude that uh, many students have that after they come back from Eretzat, they learned a whole year long, three Siddurim a day, they learned two or three years, they dedicated the Rebauder Shalom enough, and now they can spend the rest of the time on their own to do whatever they choose to do. That's a highly improper attitude. We have a Din, which is a Din Menat Torah, that Kol Ma'sho Kone Kana Rabba when you have an Evid Knaini, an Ebed that doesn't apply, he's not really an Ebed, he's like a poil, uh, an employee, but if you have an Ebed kanaini, so we have a rule, whatever um, property the Ebed acquires ownership of of, goes to the owner of the evid. So the Radak writes in his commentary on Seyfi Yoshua, Seyfi Yoshua begins with the phrase, with the Pasuk Moshe Abdi Meis, HaKadosh Baruchet tells Yeshu Benun, Moshe, my slave, my servant, passed away, and now I want you to to, to lead the Jewish people. So, why is Moshe Rabbeinu referred to as Moshe Avdi? So the Radak says because Moshe dedicated his whole life to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. The Rashi in his commentary Achumash quotes from the Medrash. It says that when Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai, came down from Har right away he went to Bnei Yisro. So Rashi quotes the comment from the Medrash. That he didn't He didn't take time in between coming down from Har to go to the bank or to go to the grocery store to take care of something else. He went straight to take care of tzorchei ha'am. Moshe was in Ever Hashem. All of the koiches and all the kishvines and all the talents that he had, he dedicated to Avodas Hashem. He didn't do anything for his own sake. And Akharis calls upon all of us, ki not just that Moshe was an Ever Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu succeeded in fulfilling that mitzvah. The Kodesh baruch calls upon all of us that we should all be avodim to him. I remember when uh, my children were, well uh, of my children are married, they're ready parents, but I remember when my children were younger, so they used to review when they had a test in uh, school. We lived right across the street from Broyers in Washington Heights. So one of them had a test the next day in Chumash. So one of my daughters was uh, reviewing the Pesukim with me, so she was reading the Pesukim Shalach vi Abduni. Moshe Abbeinu tells, Paro, in the name of Baruch Hu, let my people go via Abduni. So I thought the simple translation is that they should worship me. Avoy <clears throat> they should worship me. So my daughter was translating the way the teacher said, Shalachami, let my people go via Abduni, they should become servants to me. So I was going to say, why did the teacher translate like that? Then I thought the teacher was right, that's what it means. Hakarish Bochu says, <inaudible> wants us all to be Avodim to him. That it should be called Moshe Kanneh, the one who succeeded in doing it best was Moshe Abeno, Yerid Moshe Min Haaral Ham. Hakadosh Baruch Hu commends him, and he says Moshe Abdi Meis. Moshe was a real Eved. He dedicated all of his talents. to Baruch Hu, but we're all obligated to do like this. It's not really right that one should have such an attitude. I really gave Hakadosh Baruch enough. I spent a whole year three Siddurim a day learning in Eretz Yisroel, two years, three years, whatever. And now I can go to a Gausha University. And and, and study whatever, I don't, have, I don't have to learn any more Torah. The Rambam writes in Hilchas Tamah Torah, quoting from passages in Tanakh and from the Gemara. The Rambam usually doesn't say original, he's quoting everything from, from the original sources. So the Rambam says, every Jewish man is obligated to learn whether he's wealthy or poor, whether he's young or old, whether he's healthy or sick, till the day that he dies. Whenever a person has some free time, is obligated to learn Torah. So you can't say that the person already graduated. The person graduated already, so he doesn't have to study anymore. We don't graduate from learning Torah. We're obligated to learn Torah for the rest of our lives. It's highly improper that the students come back from learning intensively in Eretz Yisrael in a successful fashion, and then they decide they want to go to an Ivy League college but there's not going to be any learning. Parents always want the best for their children. I belong to the parents' union also. I have nine children and an awful lot of grandchildren. And even the parents want more for the children than they got for themselves. The parents never went to Ivy League colleges. Their parents couldn't afford it, but they want for their children the best. But they should realize this is not the best for their children, to send their children to an Ivy League college or to college. But there's no Torah atmosphere. Even if you're gonna have a Hillel on the campus, you're gonna have a JLIC on the campus. That's not a Torah atmosphere. You have to have your children in a Torah atmosphere. Years ago, it was a halber tzorah. If a person would go to an Ivy League college, a Goethe college, and not stay in the dormitory, it wouldn't be so bad. But today, even if you don't stay in the dormitory, stay in the dormitory, that's mamish terrible. But today, even if you don't stay in the dormitory, the pressure on the campus is so great, human beings are always social animals, and they always like to fit in with the rest of the society. They don't want to stand out like a sore thumb. And the pressure on the college campuses is so strong to go along with what what everybody else is doing. The Congress was uh, having sessions about this, why there's no freedom of speech anymore on the college campuses, and just recently, 15 professors from Ivy League uh, universities published a document where they're encouraging that the students who go to the universities should have freedom of thought. They should open up their minds and think on their own. They shouldn't think just because everybody thinks this way, they have to think the same way. Open up your mind and think for yourself. There's such anti-Israel pressure on all of the overwhelming majority of the the college campuses, and they all want to boycott Israel, and they all support the Palestinians, and it's all anti-Semitic, and it's all against the Jewish religion, against all religions. So that it's, even if your children are going to stay home, they're not going to stay in the dormitory, it's still going to be a sacrament for the children. That's not the best thing. Everyone wants the best for their children. That's certainly not the best. The Torah was not given to individual people. The Torah was given to the community of the Jewish people. We say the Hamim bracha, the bracha singled out the Jewish people as a nation, and he gave the Torah to the Jewish nation. The Jewish people need a kehillah. And I so said, the children are used to relating to a Kehillah. When they were growing up at home, they belonged to a shul and there was all Jewish Jewish And then they, then they go to a college campus, there is no Jewish Kehillah. That's a disaster. They ha- you have to, the Gemara says that Torah and Mitzvahs need Chizuk. You have to have an awful lot of Chizuk, and especially today, the pressure is so great uh, on the college campuses. The pressure is so great against everything that Jewish religion stands for. Uh, the, Gemara has a machloikis and the accepted opinion is that there are not five chumashim, there are seven. We call each shema b'reshi, we call it a chumash, because it's one-fifth of the Torah. So strictly speaking, it's not correct, there are seven chumashim. You can't call it a chumash anymore, there are seven svarim. The Gemara quotes the pasuk, chachmas b'an tzabeh, s'achotz, v'amudeh that the is the Torah and it really has seven svarim. What are the seven svarim? So the Gemara says the accepted opinion, the way we pass on our is that chumash b'amit was divided into three svarim. Up until by Soharan. Then you have two psukim that have 85 letters. Bahim and that constitutes a Sefer bifnei Yatzmai. And then Bahim Soharan, to the end of Chumish Midbar is the third Sefer. So you just add it out, and the other two sign, adds up to seven. So the Gemara says, we know in the Sefer Torah that to separate between Bereshus and Shmo, Shmosh, and Ba'yikra, you have four blank lines in the Sefer Torah. And to separate between and and before and after, you don't have four blank lines, but you have nunim What nunim supposed to represent? So there is a marriage that explains that the word nun in Aramaic means a fish, and a nun hafuch means a fish that's swimming against the tide. The Jewish people are always swimming against the tide. The thrust of the whole culture, wherever the Jews lived, was over uh, the Zorah, Gilead, Reis, and Shpichas, domim and all Colt Lavarosa, and all kinds of crazy things, and the Jews have to have the ability to swim against the tide. It's very difficult. You're going to send your children to an Ivy League university, a Croatian University, it's very difficult to swim against the tide. If you're swimming all by yourself, you have to have a whole school of fish. You have to have a, a whole, you have to be the mitzvot need chizuk and shmiras. Our mitzvot need an awful lot of chizuk. The opening pesukim in, in Tehillim emphasize this. So the Chazal say, one thing is going to lead to the next, and the next is going to lead to the next. If you're not going to be careful to not to go batas v'shoyim, shal lo halach batas, you're going to walk in the same path with the v'shoyim. Next thing you know is going to be but it's gonna to stand together with the time Next thing is gonna stand with the time. then it's gonna be mosh of latezim then it's gonna sit with the mosh of One thing leads to the other. If you send your children, if you allow a child to go to a Goyishi campus, don't be surprised if he comes back with a non-Jewish spouse. How can Mayyasa ben Layahta? What is the child supposed to do? Here? The boy is sitting next to a good-looking girl every single day. And she happens not to be Jewish. So, what's going to prevent them from marrying the girl? Or the reverse. The Jewish girl, the nice religious Jewish girl, is sitting next to a handsome non Jewish boy. What's going to prevent the girl from marrying the boy? In the summertime, I go to Tannersville. remember years ago, they had a Shaila. There's a mikveh in Tannersville, a kosher mikveh. It was made by Dora Golding, Halle Hashem. She had the mikveh right next to her home, and they paid for the shul. They had the shul right next to their home. So uh, there was a woman came all the way from Albany to use the mikveh in Tanezville. There, there's a mikveh in Albany, she what do you have to come to Tanisville for? So the rabbi, this was on Maizah 25 years ago, so the rabbi heard a rumor that uh, the Jewish woman who's using the mikveh is married to, a, married to a non-Jewish man, and that's why they don't let her use the mikveh anymore in Albany, and she's coming to use the mikveh in Tanisville. So he asked me, is it permissible, to let the woman use the mikveh. She's using it in order to lead a life of an averim. So I said, uh, if it's just a rumor, say, so you're not willing to believe the rumor, let her use the mikveh. Then he tells me, next month, the rabbi's wife was in charge of the mikveh. He said, next month, the woman came to the mikveh, she told the, the rabbi's wife, she's married to a non-Jewish man, and that's why they don't allow her to use the mikveh in Albany anymore. So that's why she comes over here, because they let her. So if she tells you explicitly that she's married to a non jew then. The public policy is that we don't allow her to use the mikveh. We don't allow the person to use the mikveh. Let's say, single girls want to, want to use the mikveh in order to sin. So we don't allow them to use the mikveh. Even if they're not going to use the mikveh, they'll be doing a bigger sin. But we can't allow, we can't help them do the other. So the girl explained what happened. She went to Beis Yaenkev in Borough Park, and she was so picky, so she couldn't get a shidduch, and was getting older and older, so she married a guy. But she still wanted to observe taras. She didn't go to Goethe College, but she was so picky, so if, if a child goes to a, non, a non-Jewish University, we shouldn't be surprised if later on the child is going to intermarry. We all need a kehila. We all need a Kehillah. Many have the attitude, the next couple of years, the next three, four years, I'll go to university, and I'll neglect my learning, but after that, after that, when well, I'll get myself a good job and I will not have to work half a day, so I'll have much more time to learn. So that's what the Chachamur tells us in the Mishnah in Pirkeovis. I'll tell you, my person should never have such an attitude to say, when I'll have free time later, then I'll learn. No, the Mishnah recommends, who said you're going to have time? You shouldn't give up the opportunity to learn Torah now. You have to learn every year, every day. You have to learn now. Don't postpone the learning till some later day. It may not happen. A couple of years ago, some uh, professor of Judaic studies, a prominent uh, fellow, was giving me a ride once after I gave a talk in a certain community. So he was driving me home to Washington Heights. He was telling me that uh, when he studied in Israel for the years, Rabbi Blau, the Mashgir and Yeshiva, was trying to convince him that he should go to Yeshiva. After he comes back from Eretz he kept on insisting, no, he's not going to go to Yeshiva College. He's going to go to some prominent university because he's going to go into Judaic studies and he has to have a super-duper degree. So he's very big in his field and he published a lot, and now it's 20 years later, he says he has charotana. he says he's never going to know how to learn. He knows how to read Rishoy, he knows how to read Swarm to dig out history. He's an expert at that, but he says he realizes now, those are the crucial years that you have to learn how to learn. And now he says it's 20 years later. He's never going to know how to learn. He, and he's complaining about that fact, but he realizes that it's his own fault. We have to do what's best for our children. We love our children. We want to give our children more than we ourselves had. But to send a child to a non Jewish university these days, even if he's going to stay home, he's not going to stay in the dormitory. He's going to stay in the dormitory is a zopkiret, it's a sakona. Even if he's going to come home every day. The pressure on the campus is so great that the Congress they had in the newspaper, the New York Times, the Congress is having uh, studies on this. There's no freedom of speech on university campuses. Universities used to stand for freedom of speech, that people were open-minded and they have to uh, think out of the box and you have to c- consider all logical possibilities. Now they don't let you think at all. Whoever goes against the Das Koho is considered a bigot and is considered a mishugana Everybody pushes for homosexuality and for lesbianism and everything else, and whoever says "fakir" is a mishugana We're the Meshuggah, they're the Mishugoi. The Jewish people have to be like Nunim HaFuchim. So this is, uh, this is an important consideration that we all have to have. Rabbi Soloveitchik years ago, used to complain about this, that uh, Hitler tried to wipe out all the Jews and he didn't succeed, and now we're causing on our own. We're causing a Holocaust by allowing our children to go to goish universities. And they don't, eh, there are children who have learned in yeshivas in Eretzol three years, and top yeshivas, not shwacha yeshivas, top yeshivas for three years. Then they come back, they go to goish universities after a couple of years. After a half year, they don't wear the yarmulke anymore. Another half year, they don't keep kosher. Another half year, they don't keep Shabbos. Then they intermarry. There are people who learnt in. Fantastic yeshivas and herdsists for three years. Learned very well. And then they intermarry later on. You need chizak for all of this. This is one of the important lessons we should keep in mind all year long, but especially now, in the Chuba season. I wish everybody...